0: Welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, which is full of Italians. In fact, many of the parishes I've been at have been uh, Italian, built by Italians. And uh, as we are coming up to Columbus Day weekend, which did you know Christopher Columbus is Italian? He's not Portuguese. I did know. Oh, good. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, so he's Italian. So we kind of wanted to focus on uh, all things Italian, especially because... A couple of us have lived in Italy, not just visited, but actually spent a uh, quality time there uh, of a significant nature. So allow me to introduce my co-host. We've got Lauren to my left. Hi, Lauren. Hello. Lauren has lived many other places in the world, but not Italy.
1: I can't say I've lived elsewhere in the world, but I've traveled.
0: Well, you've spent, how, what was the longest you traveled? Six weeks. That's pretty long.
1: In Spain, España.
0: España, yeah, yeah. Okay. See. That's pretty good. pretty good amount of time. And uh, so I'd like to introduce our other co-host who's sitting right across from me, Daniel. Welcome. Uh, pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Fine. Yeah, we're great to, great to have you and definitely hope you become a regular here on Restless. Well, we'll see what the people say in response. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, if you pass Lauren's test, because I'll, I'll say, oh, Lauren, what about this person? No, they're boring. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Lauren...
1: Have I ever actually said that?
0: There's a few people that you turned down, but
1: with good reason.
0: With good reason, definitely, definitely. But Lauren said, "No, what about Daniel? Because Daniel's funny." Oh boy! And I was like, "Well, I'm I'm not just talking about his looks. I mean, we got (laughs) to." No, no, usually what I get. (laughs) No, so thank you so much for joining. So tell us a little bit. First of all, yeah, I know that uh, we're all we all work at this wonderful Catholic school, Cardinal Kung Academy. Mm. This is not sponsored by Cardinal Kung, but you should definitely send your kids there. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Yeah, well, I think we have to sponsor them. I don't know they have
2: the money to mm. sponsor a radio show. <laughs> but um, so, what do you teach here, Daniel? Yes, um, my first year teaching at Cardinal Kung Academy, I teach four sections of Latin: Latin one, Latin two, Latin three, and an upper-level class called Christian Latin, um, and then ancient literature, which is an English class. So it's a class in translation, but we read Greek and Roman works. Oh, very cool. The Iliad, the Odyssey, the Aeneid, St. Augustine's Confession, some Greek tragedies. So you're a classics guy. Classics guy. All the way through. Where did you study? Well, I started in Fairfield. Well, it's called Fairfield Ward High School. So I grew up in the town of Fairfield, Connecticut. Oh, nice. Local. Local. And uh, attended the public schools there uh, and went to Fairfield Ward High School. Some of the older listeners may remember when it was one high school. My sister was the last year of that class, and it split off into two high schools, Warden Ward and Fairfield Ludlow. So I took Latin for four years, uh, then I went to That's Dallas. great that they had Latin, because I think yeah. most public high schools don't have Latin anymore. That's right. Although, if you're going to find it, it's more likely in this part of the country than in, than in other parts. Okay. Um, the Northeast. There is a great tradition of exam public schools in places like Boston, Boston Latin School, the oldest public school in America, Boston Latin Academy. Oh, is it really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think founded by Benjamin Franklin, or he attended it or something to that effect. Wow. Um Lauren, did you take Latin at all? Never. No?
1: Only Spanish. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in high school, I took both Italian and Latin for four years. I enjoy the complement of a modern and an ancient language. The Italian will come into play later in this conversation. Did, did you get confused between the two? At times, yes. At I mean, times, yeah. I still do. I mean, Latin is to
0: Italian what Old English is to English.
2: Yeah. Sort of, right, so. Yeah. Um, yes. The What does help if you maintain the so-called classical pronunciation or some people call it restored pronunciation, which sounds much different from Italian. Mm. So in the church, we would always say, you know... Uh, Equivalent of yeah oh, oh gosh, no I'm not thinking of an like example. Dominus vobiscum. Vobis <laughs> vobiscum, exactly. When you say the V in classical Latin it'd be more like Vobiscum. Every C is a hard C, Kaisar, you know, Kikero instead of chichero. Oh, okay. Etc. So if you have the classical pronunciation, uh it then makes the two languages seem more different. Latin Interesting. In Italian. So that that helped. And that's quite cool. used in high school. That's cool. Um, and then from there, I went to the University of Dallas, a small Catholic liberal arts college in Irving, Texas. Ooh, UD. UD, yeah. Good place down there. Very good place. Uh, at least one uh, parish priest here in Stanford, uh, right down the road here at St. Cecilia's is a UD alum. I've only just met him once. I've forgotten his Father
1: name. Father John Connaughton.
2: Exactly. He, I
0: did not know he was a UD alum. Proud alum. Very proud. Well, I'm a Franciscan grad, and so there's...
2: I don't know if there's a rivalry, but... There's a bit of tension. You should not go to UD. You should, ah. go, to, you should go to Franciscan. <laughs> You should certainly go to UD. In fact, just last night, I was looking at menus of diners uh, in Irving, Texas, where UD is located, <laughs> and the nostalgia just overcame me. The chicken fried steak and the sweet tea and the other delights of Texas living. Is obesity the biggest problem now? <laughs> it's, it's a big problem all over America, but yes, more so in Texas Oh uh, yeah, uh, Yeah, with that kind of food. Yes, uh, it is delicious though. Oh my gosh. Uh, you, in, in Texas, uh, even in the Metroplex, you might still have a waitress who says to you, God bless you, at the end of a meal. It's the last meal I had in Texas at a diner a number of years ago now, I remember the waitress, she ended by saying, God bless you. That's really cool. Yep. Wow. Yep. Yeah, you yep. don't see that up here in the Northeast. No. <laughs> God bless always... you, I sue you. Yeah, banned by law. Uh, <laughs> And so at UD, i studied Greek and Latin for four years, majored in classical philology, went to Rome for the first time. So the subject of this lesson, of this, of this episode. Uh, <laughs> a, true, of school, a true teacher <laughs> at heart. Uh, and I always wanted to return to Italy after that time, but it would take a little while. I went to Tufts University to get a master's degree in classics. Graduated from there in 2015, UD in 2013, while up in Boston. Did a student teaching apprenticeship, you might say, uh, with uh, Mrs. Alice Langton, who's a Latin teacher at Newton South High School, another public high school right outside of Boston. And I got hired on there and taught in the two public high schools of Newton for s- five years. And uh, during the pandemic, September of 2020, I uh, skipped Dodge and moved to Rome and oh, wow. to enroll, matriculated at the Pontifical Salesian University to study in the Department of Christian and Classical Literature, uh, earned technically an Italian BA, and I'm now finishing up the thesis Finishing up is a euphemism for beginning to write the thesis. Uh, that will get me a licenza, or in English we'd say a license. Sometimes we also hear the word licentiate, but a, a master's degree effectively, but the Vatican term for a master's degree, so a license. Are you going on for a doctorate? I don't think so. No, you're, so. you're going to max out there. As I always say, I don't have a dissertation in me. We'll see if I even have an MA thesis in me. It's ambiguous, but That's this would fair. be the second master's degree, but the first one written in Italian, so that elongates the writing process a bit. Yeah. And then to complete the story, I reached out to Dr. Miller, the headmaster here, and to ask if there was an opening, So I really liked the look of Cardinal Kung Academy from all these years I've been reading about it. Wanted to move back home to the diocese after all these uh, Odyssean wanderings, and... Um Fortunately, there was an opening. And so now I know both of you. Well, it is very hard to find a Latin teacher.
0: I'll <laughs> yeah. say there are a few and far between. <laughs> it's probably one of the hardest fills in a Catholic school.
2: But, uh, it's a bull market if you're a candidate.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely <laughs> are, is. Yeah. <laughs> definitely is. I mean, do you, do you feel like it's a dying language or are people starting to study it more now?
2: Believe it or not, from the data I've seen, I've seen this contradicted, but the data I remember seeing is that Latin hit its nadir in either the 60s or 70s, and enrollment just completely collapsed. It had been very common in public schools, and certainly in all Catholic schools. Now it's rare even in Catholic schools, quite frankly. Well,
0: I went through nine years of seminary and never took Latin.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
0: people are shocked by that. Yep. But I've never took it, taken it. Yep. I took it for one semester in high school, and it was the only class I've ever failed. Oh, wow. And I never picked it up
2: again. It was your
0: Waterloo. It was my Waterloo. And I'm glad I don't live, you know, hundred years ago, because I wouldn't be a priest. You wouldn't be a priest. I had to study Latin. Well, I think you would have been fine with more
2: preparation. Uh, probably, That's yeah. That's my
0: read. I was homeschooled. I didn't have a teacher. Oh, okay. So if I had you, oh. as a teacher,
2: probably would do quite well. <laughs> you would have fled in the opposite direction. <laughs> maybe. Maybe lost your vocation. No. <laughs> um, in fact, a, a seminarian friend of mine, I won't name him, but I will say a seminary, the Diocese of uh, Jefferson City, Missouri, said that uh, in his experience, uh, the, the seminaries, the bishops always speak about how important Latin is and then do effectively everything possible to make it so you cannot fit Latin into your schedule. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> But Latin is bursting; it is budding. Maybe I should say outside of the context of Catholic seminaries and outside of the context of public schools, it, there has been a somewhat of a regrowth, even in the public school system. But particularly at schools like Cardinal Cook Academy, um, these K through twelve schools uh, cl- following a classical model, in which Latin is really surging, either. Catholic classical schools or public charter schools like the Great Hearts Network, which is really big down in Texas and Arizona. Mm. So in fact, if you wanna teach high school Latin, there are a lot of openings, not so much in Connecticut, but mm. in places like Texas, Arizona, where there's a lot more educational, let's say creativity, innovation, more freedom as well. Um, yeah. at public charter schools that teach it, stuff like that.
0: Well, there's that old saying, what is old is new again. Right, so people are, you know, for a whole generation, we threw it out because oh, it's you know smacks of oldness, and now you're like, oh, how how innovative, yeah, right? innovative. <laughs> to, to teach Latin? Like we've actually been doing it for two thousand years, but um, yeah, innovative, sure, that's right.
2: Same yeah. thing is true of phonics, if you followed some of these news, where phonics is now becoming mainstream uh, in some public school systems. And I remember when I was a child, it was part of sort of the so-called culture wars. And if you supported phonics, it meant you were a conservative Republican. If you opposed phonics, it meant you were a liberal Democrat. But there are now a lot of mainstream uh, educational Folks who would normally be considered left of center who are adopting a position that in the eighties and nineties was right of center. Wow. Phonics is good, direct instruction and pronunciation and spelling is good. So yeah, what is old becomes new again. Well,
0: I'm I'm glad that here at this school we diagram sentences. Yeah. That's Which is awesome. Thing. I used to, did you ever do that, Lauren? I never did that in No.
1: school. Do you
2: understand how it works?
1: No, I don't know anything about it.
0: I think it's like a game. I've always enjoyed diagramming sentences.
2: I never that. got to diagram a sentence no? attending public schools in the 1990s. So.
0: Yeah, sit in on the class here. It's pretty, it's pretty fun. we Will do. <laughs> well, let's talk about Italy yeah. because it is Columbus Day weekend. And Italy is such a great country, Um, you know, so such a Catholic country. So, I mean, certainly, Lauren, you have a lot of Italian friends, I'm sure.
1: Yes, and I am Italian.
0: Are you? What, what percentage?
1: Like 40, 38. Thir- that's very, an, specific. I'm, I'm, I'm very specific. Very specific. <laughs> 38.7. Well, my mom is Italian and a quarter Finnish, right? So I'm an eighth Finnish. Finnish? Yes. That's cool. Only
2: in America. Yeah, really. <laughs> the old saying goes.
1: Yeah. And then my dad's Irish, so I'm half Irish on the other side.
2: Okay. Do you know the expression for someone who's both Italian and Irish? What? A green meatball. Green? I've never heard that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I have not either, but I've seen pasta and potatoes, you know? Yes. And people oh, say good. it's a great combination. Yes. There's not
2: a- the same meal necessarily. <laughs> gnocchi. Isn't gnocchi made Oh, that's true. Um, that, is true. Is, that is true. true. That is true. Which is delicious. That is true. Right? Yes.
1: Which you so, know how to make.
0: Do you know how to make gnocchi? Mm-hmm. I thought it was just like mashed potatoes <laughs> with pasta sauce. No. Definitely not.
1: But we'll have to make it for you.
0: Please do. Yeah. Yeah. I will accept any and all food <laughs>
2: that
1: is made I know. for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so how long did you live in Italy?
2: I lived there for three years. Three years, um, wow! From September, mid-September of 2020 until August of 2023, and before then, cumulatively counting the semester and and the trips back, I went uh, when I went went with students. I led students or co-led students to Rome four times in total. I'd already spent about six months of my life there, so okay, we we could add it up to about three years, six months, three and a half.
0: Wow, yeah, wow, three and a half. Yeah. So, did you do all the touristy things? I know Lauren, you haven't been, but like, what touristy things would you want to see and do in Italy? Because it's, I mean, probably the number one tourist attraction tourist destination, I'd imagine. Certainly up there.
1: Definitely. I mean, I don't know, everything in Rome. I mean, the Vatican, of course, the Pantheon. I was an architecture student, so we looked at a lot of buildings. that are Oh, Italy. sure. So it, it would be a, a joy. I mean, I love walking through cathedrals, and so I know there are beautiful churches everywhere.
2: Yeah. Did you, so.
0: did you see all the typical touristy things?
2: I think so. Uh, places like the Roman Forum, the Vatican, the, the Pantheon, as you said, your major basilicas like Santa Maria Maggiore, St. Mary Major. Uh, many Catholics who go on pilgrimage visit the catacombs, uh, whether mm-hmm. uh, St. Callistus, St. Priscilla, St. Sebastian, there are a whole bunch of others. So, yeah, I think I did probably all of the major things at one point or another the Chiesa Nuova, the Jesuit Church, St. Ignatius. Which um, is so ironic. You know, it's Chiesa Nuova it means
0: new church, right. built in the 1700s. Yeah. Right, but for for Rome, that's new. For Rome, it's very, very recent. Yes. So, where did you travel outside of Rome? Did you go anywhere else
2: within Italy? Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, my grandparents are from southern Italy, from the toe of the boot, Calabria. Ah, so I took a number of trips to their home village, um, which they only went back to once after they after they immigrated. They didn't. They were not overcome by nostalgia And uh, the way <laughs> you, you kind of get a divide amongst uh, those who leave their country. Well,
0: I've heard there's a ton, ton of poverty in Calabria.
2: Absolutely. Yep. A ton of poverty, and unfortunately, a lot of uh, organized crime. Um, they say that it's actually stronger now or worse, the situation in Calabria, say, than in Sicily, whereas Mm. we in this country tend to associate organized crime with Sicily. Apparently, it's even worse in Calabria now. I don't know. Still, wow. Yeah, Um, but no, many places, uh, Naples, uh, as well in Campania,, uh, so that's south of Rome, and that's also another extraordinary city I'd really recommend visiting. Uh, it's a little bit grittier than Rome and even potentially dirtier than Rome, and Rome isn't the cleanest city. Oh, yeah, but it's really blessed with beautiful, beautiful churches um and also great museums for classical antiquity. And then places like Florence and Venice, of course, Arezzo, a great Tuscan town, Orvieto, which some people know for its beautiful cathedral, and the
0: Eucharistic Miracle and the Eucharistic which is in Orvieto
2: that's right, yeah, that's right. Um, that was
0: actually the town where the feast of Corpus Christi originated. Uh, so it was a uh, it was a eucharistic miracle where again the priest didn't believe and the host started to bleed and so the corporal is still there. Uh, I don't know if they still have the host. I don't think they do. I don't recall. Uh, but but the corporal of which is the cloth that goes on the altar still has blood stains and they actually process with that uh, during the feast of Corpus Christi huh. in Orvieto. And uh, it was because of that that the that the uh, Pope declared the feast of Corpus Christi. In the church. And what's, one thing that's really interesting, I was actually in Orvieto for the Feast of Corpus Christi, which was wild because they line the street with flower petals in designs. Like they glue them to this, glue them to like paper that's placed on the street. And it must be like three or four miles worth of flower petals that are in these unbelievable, intricate designs with, you know, you'll see a monstrance on the ground, you'll see all sorts of things. And the only person that can walk on it is the priest carrying the Blessed Sacrament. Everyone else walks along the side. Just absolutely a moving experience to be there
2: wow. yeah, you were blessed to be there
0: i was yeah that was a one of the highlights of my my year i spent in italy
2: yeah, tremendous when were you there
0: so i did a year in seminary uh at the north american college in rome it was 2006 to 2007
1: mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. not long before i was first there which was 2011 okay yeah 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 uh. I, I know the NAC, as it's called, the North American College, uh, from having a number of... Uh, we got tours as we were students there. spent a semester there in 2011. But then going back, I've known a couple of seminarians there. And the NAC has one of the best views of Rome. It's one of the absolute best properties. It was a typically American, brilliant... Uh, uh, investment in real estate after the Second World War. Italy was devastated. Only America and the whole world had money. And the bishop said, well, we're going to have to expand our seminary and bought this magnificent property yeah. on the Janiculum it's Hill. It's on the hill, oh, right. Working. Oh, it's an amazing deal.
0: It is, yeah. And it's yeah. a five-story building. So you get to the top and you can see absolutely everything, 360 view of everything. 360, yep. So so living in a different country is quite a culture shock. And you know, I know, Lauren, you've traveled enough that you know that there can be some culture shock Moments, and I'm sure you've experienced that in Spain. So, what what kind of was uh, what did you like about Italian culture? What did you not like about Italian culture?
2: Oh yeah, Um, I suppose there mostly I I was very happy. So the overall experience is certainly positive. Um, I will say Italy, uh, Rome. I'll just focus on Rome. So if I say Italy, I do want to put a caveat that you know the country changes, and my experiences are predominantly in that one place. Yeah. So a big city. Um, It's very dirty. Uh, and so they'll say the culture of cleaning up after your dog, not to debase the level of the conversation, <laughs> is not quite as advanced as it is in my experience growing up in Connecticut. Well, the number of people
0: I saw, I saw personally people going to the
2: bathroom on the street <laughs> okay. was shocking to me. Shocking. Shocking. Uh, it's just yeah. not done in yeah, America. Yeah, not nearly. Really. So good. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I would say, compared to, say, Boston, I lived in Boston for seven years, and Boston is vastly cleaner. I mean, there must be very unclean neighborhoods, but the average part of Boston is vastly cleaner than Rome. And that was something that really wore on me. It was something that I initially noticed, uh, and then it, it stopped being maybe as much of a concern, but it wore on me as time went on. I think if you're born somewhere with a certain expectation of public cleanliness, mm. it's hard to live <laughs> out the whole rest of your life in somewhere that's really dirty. That's so true. Um, that's so true. But there's a paradox uh, that was pointed out to me many, many years ago before i could even evaluate it but it is so true that italian public spaces don't aren't necessarily that clean there's a lot of graffiti a lot of trash but Italian homes are are very clean, you know. Typically, mm. um, it's not as though people's homes are treated the way the public spaces are. There's a different approach of what the public space is. On the one hand, you're in it so much more in Italian life because you're walking on average more than you are in America. Less car dependent, the, the piazza culture. So on the one hand, you're you're living in that space, and maybe for that reason, you know, familiarity breeds not necessarily contempt, uh, as the expression goes, but it breeds a certain level of I don't know carelessness, functionality, functionality. Like you just have to get there. You just have to get there. So now I'm in the piazza. I'm in it all the time. This is part of my home in some sense. So I'll throw the trash out. You know, something like maybe it's going on psychologically, but it's not as though people's homes are like that. The homes are, are very clean and very pleasant in my experience. Yeah. So.
0: Well, that's good. That's good to hear. So that was yeah. so that was the negative. That was what, a negative. what were some
2: positives that you took from oh, Italian culture. I mean, I would say, of course, uh, a lot of good food. It yes. Goes without saying. Um, not that everything is perfectly done. I mean, it depends on where you're eating or what products you're eating you can get. It's not that all oh, the all the food in the grocery store is so amazing. You have the same problems. You know, you're in a big city. The culture is modernizing. People are further removed from the countryside, the sources of their food. So you have, in general terms, the same problems you would have in the United States. But on average, people are closer and they care more is what Mm -hmm. I would say, that the standard is higher because people just care a little bit more about food. It's more of a topic of conversation. Um, The culture of cooking, at least doing some of the food prep yourself, is much greater than it is here. So I think in America, you can get absolutely the best food and the best ingredients, but we simply don't care as much. We don't put as much effort in. They do on average. Um, So I I loved eating the food. And one of the things I liked is that whereas America is such a mishmash of cultures and it's seemingly becoming ever more so, Rome is still a very almost parochial city, which has its negatives. In Italy, in general, um, there's a certain aversion to the other and to the outsider, um, the one who isn't Italian. You know, in a way that's not in the case in the United States. But the pl- positive of that is that there's a very strong local culture wherever you go, and so a lot of the food I ate in Rome I would never have eaten if I'd stayed in Naples or if I or if I'd lived in Milan. They do, yeah, it's very there's a localized food culture which I, which I like definitely traditions.
0: I'm curious, you know, because I, I it, it you know when I talk to people from France or Spain. And a lot of times, their only experience of America is New York City, Mm. you know. And so, of course, their their impression is, "Oh, wow, such a dirty, mean, unfriendly country." And like, (laughs) well, you just have to get out of the city, you know. So, have you found that, Lauren, in the cities that you visited in Spain, like if if cities are just kind of maybe not the right slice of the culture?
1: Um, Yeah, there's there's certainly variation everywhere. I think uh, like Madrid, for instance, major big city. But then as soon as you leave that, you're in the countryside of Spain. Mm-hmm. It's totally different. And the south is different from the north and all that, the east and the west. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I will say being from Connecticut and growing up in Greenwich, only 30 miles from New York City, I, I use New York City as a target all the time when I'm abroad because they're like, Connecticut? <laughs> so I'm right. like, close to New York. But you know <laughs> I'm New York. New York City. Right. And close, they go, oh, New York, yes. New York. I'm like, yes.
0: Right. Yeah. No, that is true. (laughs) That is helpful. Definitely.
1: But I have found, though, um, being abroad, which I like, people are always positive about the United States. And they say, oh, I've been, you know, and then they'll tell you where. Oh, they'll say, I really want to go. You know, I've wanted to go my whole life.
2: And where have they been? Is it usually New York?
1: Um, I think it ranges, you know, Uh, it could be California, um, Florida, you know. Or like, I have family in North Carolina. You know what I mean? Like it, it totally, everyone talks like that too. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> no, I'm the, kidding. But, the last
0: time I was in Italy, I was I took a father-son pilgrimage there in 2018. Yeah, 2018. And um, so I got grilled with so many questions about, what do you think of Donald Trump? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, can right. we not talk about Donald Trump over in Italy, please? Right, <laughs> Great right. guy. but
1: That's all you got to say.
0: Well, I, the the rest of the world, oh, the, the rest of the world hated him. Right, they hated Donald Trump. Oh my I gosh, know.
1: that would have been funny. And I did, was like,
0: said. I don't want to get into a big debate with some Italian guy because my Italian's
2: not that good. <laughs> right, right, right. Although there, there would be many who actually liked him. Even in Italy. Oh, did you find that? Perhaps not as a great, yeah, yeah. Because Italy um, just swept the center right into power with an enormous victory. That's true. Marconi? Uh, Maloney. Maloney. Maloney, yeah. Maloney. Yeah, the Italians have, in recent decades, tended to vote for the right. So there are, in truth, many Italians who like Trump, but uh, those who don't are much more prominent in the culture.
0: <laughs> That's probably the same as America. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for better and for worse. But that voices the voices versus, yeah. That's right. It's <laughs> right. real people.
1: But you know you seem to have a different experience living in Italy than daniel did
0: yes i I uh, <laughs> was supposed to stay there for three years in my seminary studies and I stayed there for only one and asked to come back mm. um, for a couple of reasons um, one is i I am not a city person, and I found that dynamic to be rather stark you know in, in living in a city that was unfriendly you know you can't i mean just you know. It's, Especially, I I struggled with languages. That's not my gift, mm-hmm. and and so I couldn't really get to know the common people on the street. You know, I wouldn't have conversations with people because I just couldn't hold my own. Right. So, uh, so it was it was very. Iso- I felt very isolated. I was like, I can go into the college, and that's about it. And and a lot, I was surprised how many people don't speak English well. Mm-hmm. They'll mm-hmm. try a little bit, you know, yep. and and this most you know the big tourist shops, of course, they will speak some English, but right. But if you really want to get to know people and the culture, it's like yeah,
2: it's not uh, Germany or Sweden in terms of their English proficiency not even close Right, easily.
0: right so i mean my best times of there you know i actually tr- purposely did not go to many of the big cities never been to florence never been to milan mm-hmm. um, never been to naples i heard Na- naples is really dirty so i didn't go <laughs> there um, i spent most of my time when we would, when we'd have free weekends going into the countryside hmm. and so i would actually from my from my fourth floor room at the NAC, i could look out and see the apennine mountains which run right down the center so what i would do is i'd go on google maps And just basically be like, what am I looking at? And I go over there, oh, this little town. Let's go visit that this weekend. And so I'd hop a bus or a train and just go to some random town that's really super tiny. And that I found a a refreshing and new experience of Italy. For example, one of the stories I I really warmed my heart, we were, um, I I did several camping trips out there as well. and So I was backpacking through the Apennines for a weekend. And uh, we totally just misjudged because it was Palm Sunday weekend. and so this was, you know mid-April. It was nice and warm. So we get up there. and the start of the trail, there oh, was s- snow, like <laughs> like a foot and a half of snow on the ground. We're like, we are totally unprepared for this. It's like, you know, <laughs> short sleeves and shorts and tennis shoes. Right. You know, so, so we try to camp out the first night. And it was really uncomfortable, and freezing cold. The next night we're like, well, let's keep hiking. So we hike in and we actually left the snow zone and went down further South, but we were soaked, soaked through. So we get to this tiny little town called Rocco Pietra. Mm. And uh, we go into the town and we're like, oh my gosh, we're so soaked. And so we start striking this conversation with some person like, you know, hey, do you know any place that we can like, I don't know, Hang out for a while because we're so cold. We just want to warm up. And they're like, "Let's open the entire town hall for you." Now, their town hall is about the size of your living room. It's not huge. <laughs> but they open up this town hall. They start bringing us food. They give us like portable heaters, and we just kind of sit there and they s- and dry our clothes. Yeah, it's like you know space heaters. And and I was like, "This is what real Italy is like." You know, mm-hmm. and that's and that's probably the case with every country, right? Even America, right? I mean, you have to get outside of Greenwich too to <laughs> experience that. You know, but the people are very uh,
2: shots fired to
0: live. I little know. Town. <laughs> <laughs> Greenwich is <laughs> Greenwich is where the rich New Yorkers go to live. Uh-huh. But uh,
1: there's a good amount of diversity in Greenwich too.
0: Is there? Yeah. Oh, good, good. It's but big town, but get outside the city, and that was that was the refuge for me. Was uh, having that experience. And you see, I can't. I think helping you know, it helped me to experience what real Italian culture is like outside the tourist zones. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I I think um, it takes some time to get to know Rome because everything you said is is true and is valid. I I have a friend, or or someone from I'm friendly with, um, who just completed his seminary studies. For the Diocese of Providence. And he really did not enjoy his first year. It was somewhat similar to what you described. He was perhaps a bit more of a city person because he had lived in Boston, but wasn't fundamentally a big city person. Mm. I don't think terribly gifted with the languages um, and, and didn't want to continue. Um, and one thing he said that was interesting was that he when he came back, because he had to for that second year, he was far more comfortable with Italian. And I've heard many people say that that sometimes taking a break in language study paradoxically leads to your being more comfortable. Mm. Um, I don't know why, like it cleanses the mind a little bit or there's time for concepts to solidify. Um, So some people find that. uh, And I think by the end, he enjoyed the city more than he had the first time. But that is an interesting thing because you have a seminarian who are sent there, in this case, it's Americans, um, who don't necessarily want to go or wouldn't have otherwise chosen to go there, at least to live there. And you just just drop there, whether or not you're a city person. And it is difficult. But I will say, I had the experience of Rome. It's a little bit different both in that I developed greater language fluency. And I, my experience with the city the first time I was there was certainly more that it wasn't so friendly. But when I came back with much more Italian I, and more self-confidence, I noticed people were friendlier. So to some degree, it's just a function, as you were indicating, of knowing the language. But another feature is I lived in the city, in the municipal city of Rome, but not in the historical center um, because the Pontifical uh, Salesian University is one of the youngest of the Silesian univers- of the Pontifical universities. And it's located outside of the historical center because it start, came to be in the 60s uh, and all the real estate had been bought up in the center. Mm. So it's in what the Italians call la periferia, the periphery. So it's almost like a quote quote-unquote suburban part of the city, but it's still Rome. Same mayor, same political system, but it's outside of the core. And where I lived, that piazza, it was like being in a small town. Oh, I'm sure. It was big city, big density. but- like No tourists out there. No right? tourists. No foreigners except immigrants and a handful of students. Um, so hardly anyone spoke English. And I, you know, the coffee shop that I would go to pretty much every morning, right across the street from an elementary school, and Tiziana, you know, one of the baristas who I saw every day, um, said she loved her job because she would watch those children grow up, you know, from five mm. to six to seven, eight to nine to ten. Then they go off to middle school and high school, but they'd pop in occasionally, some would come to work for her, even after they were in their twenties, they might come back to visit or they stayed in the neighborhood. Because Italians can to be a little bit more rooted. So I lived in Rome, but in a village within Rome. And I think once you get outside of those big, big tourist areas, you find it's still a city of villages. That's good to hear. That's yeah. Good
0: to hear. Now let's turn for the last couple of minutes that we have to the faith aspect. So, first of all, did your faith grow spending so much time around the history, the richness in the Vatican, the art, the beauty uh in, in Rome? And also, you know, what did you perceive in the faith in Italy? in general, because I you know hear a lot of negative things about how the faith is is so dying in Italy and so many of these other countries. So what was your experience of faith personally and, and culturally over there?
2: Um, I was lucky to be in a very Catholic context, even within the context of Rome because I was attending a pontifical university. So many of my classmates were priests. A few of them were nuns, but most of them were priests, in fact, um, and a lot of the professors were Salesian priests. Um, so there was this ever-present Catholicism even more than for the average person. Um, Unfortunately, the city has uh, can have a museum feel. I think it does depend on what you bring to it. Um, if you're the average secular visitor who goes, the churches are like museums you go into, you interrupt mass without any concern, you walk by the Eucharist without any concern because you have no idea, it doesn't matter, it doesn't mean anything to you. So I think it depends on what you bring to it. If you bring something to it and you're genuinely a seeker, even if you're not a believer, it can have a profound effect. There have been many conversion stories. For me personally, um, it was good. It was definitely good. Uh, Up to a point... um I don't find it necessarily very easy to believe in the soul and things like that. It helps me very much in my faith to see beauty. Um, Mm -hmm. So architecture, art is a huge help. Being, worshiping in a beautiful church, uh, hearing beautiful music is very, very helpful to me. Like here at Cardinal Kung Academy. um, We do
0: have beautiful music.
2: Beautiful music. Really. Also very nice altar and the way that you conduct mass and the altar servers do, that reverence helps me a lot. But at a certain point, whether you're in Rome or anywhere else, it, it just brings you up to a certain point, right? The beauty, you then have to ask yourself, do I really believe? leave? And am I willing to make the sacrifices? And that's no easier in Rome or harder than it is anywhere else. Mm. So I would say it helped me because it rooted me historically. I love history. I saw so much beauty. But at the end of the day, um, whether I stayed there or came back to Fairfield the same problems remain, the same temptations to sin. And I wouldn't say Rome, once you get beyond that, is a particularly distinguished diocese as things are now. Um, I think there's more Eucharistic adoration, for instance, in Boston, where I lived before, um, a better quality of mass, quite frankly. Once you get of the historical churches where they maintain a higher standard, the average, frankly, Italian parish, in my experience in Rome, hideously ugly building, built in the 60s or 70s, I mean, crushingly ugly, Hmm. and frankly, a terrible liturgy. I don't mean to be dismissive, but really hard to maintain a faith. When something is just so ugly, so brutal, yeah. um, so leaving Rome was actually very helpful to me because I wanted to get away from that. Uh, and I go to more beautiful churches here in Connecticut, Fairfield County, than I than I did in Rome typically, unless yeah. I went to the center specifically. Sure. Um, and then, as and for that,
0: that, could be a reason why so many people are leaving the faith in Italy. It's yes. Like, <laughs> the parishes are ugly and liturgies are bad.
2: Exactly. Because there is this uh, perception we have of Rome, or uh, you, we see the core parts of these historic cities. We say, oh, this is how everyone lives. And once you get outside of that, you see that people's lives are not that different from Americans' lives. They're different, but they're car centered still. There's a lot more cars and a need for automobile. Things are spread out. A lot of the buildings are new construction. It's really not so different. And, you know, Fairfield, where I live, the town is far more beautiful than the neighborhood I lived to in Roman as an example. Wow. Hmm. but anyway, that's maybe something subject for a longer time. But to finish about the state, it's not a it's not in a great state. There's a lot of individual good, uh, and there are collective good organizations that are that are good there in Rome, and movements that are strong in Italy. But on a macro level, you look, the birth rate is 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 among the lowest in the history of the world of any country in Italy, and it's been like that for decades. Um, the country's population is shrinking, church attendance is dropping dramatically. Most of the faith that you see is cultural funerals, sometimes the sacraments leading up to that, but people are not choosing to go every. Sunday, they're not choosing to live out, particularly the difficult teachings of the church, any more there than anywhere else. Uh, maybe more than in France, let's say. So there is degra- degradations, but it's not a, a better situation in the United States. Yeah, probably worse.
0: One of the things we were blessed, I think, being in the United States is that there, there's you know, there's religious competition in that there's Protestants that are doing things really, really well, which means that a lot of the Catholics have to kind of step up their game. You know, better, better evangelization, better formation, better, um, you know, better liturgies, things like that. So. I agree completely. So, and and when when it's a monoculture like Italy, which is 98% Catholic, and you would be very hard-pressed to find a Protestant church, there's not that sense of like, well, we have to do our share, otherwise we're going to lose them, because it's kind of like, well, we're never going to lose them, right? They're all Catholic. They'll always be Catholic.
2: And I think there's an intentionality. When you're a Catholic in a Protestant country, you stay Catholic more so because you really believe in being Catholic. Um, some We do have cultural Catholicism in the U.S. I'm Catholic because I'm Polish, because I'm Italian, but that fades pretty rapidly. Within a generation or two, yeah. And you just have to decide. Whereas yeah. simply, oh, of course I'm Catholic, I'm Italian. Right. <laughs> um, but that's not that meaningful. Yeah. I'd rather you be a Protestant who's convicted than, than a Catholic in that sense. yeah. Definitely,
0: definitely. Well, thanks, and uh, enjoy your Columbus Day coming up this weekend. We're looking forward to uh, celebrating all things Italian. Go have a great Italian meal. Pray for the country of Italy. And uh, if you're Italian, happy Columbus Day. And Daniel, thanks for joining us. And Lauren, thanks for joining us, too. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM or 103.9 FM. Tune in next time.